Well, we're in great times and uh, getting greater. Uh, I want to, right off the bat, just share a few things. Uh, I want to apologize for not sharing anything last Sunday about marijuana. Uh, it was, we did vote, and I praise God that I live in Oklahoma, and I praise God that the people responded. Um, Fox News says that the Christians in Oklahoma have responded. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, if, uh, if you need mar- medical marijuana, you can get it. That's what your need is. We don't need recreational marijuana. And I uh, praise God for the state voting a logical thing. And uh, I've done, when we did this medical marijuana several years ago, I did quite a bit of research on it and brain scan studies and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's worse than bad. Uh, and if you've ever worked with people that are on it, um, I'm not talking about Kelly and others now. <laughs> talking about other people. Uh, they just live despondent lives, and it's, it's really sad to see them crippled like that. So we don't need that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Colorado has, you know, I visit there sometimes and I haven't in a while, but it's like the whole state's on it, I think. Uh, just my goodness, my goodness. Anyway, thank you, Oklahoma. Thank you, people who voted. Thank you that it was almost two to one. Uh, very decisive victory for... Uh, the state of Oklahoma, and our children, because it's nothing but a stepping stone drug. I don't care what anybody says. So, um, yes, amen. Gateway. Okay, let's go for it. Um, last Sunday, we talked about, it, the, the message title was, Do You See This? We talked about Exodus 7. Excuse me, I said Exodus. Ezekiel. They're all down there in the last part of the alphabet, Right. Ezekiel 7 and Ezekiel 47, and I think it's really important that uh, we keep that in mind and go back and study that. Uh, Ezekiel 7 pinpoints the state of our country right now in so many ways, just like bang, bang, bang. It talks about violence, and it talks about those sorts of things that, that we see all around us, pestilence, and etc. So, uh, But 47 is the answer. So we want to be aware of the what's going on, but we want to be totally moving with the answer, which is the revival in the land that God is trying to stir us up with. Praise God. Next Sunday is going to be a special treat. Uh, some of you that were here on a Wednesday night, uh, we had Faith Arrow Ministries in, Joe and Joyce Schrader, and uh, they'll be sharing the pulpit next Sunday morning. Uh, he is the apostolic leader of Faith Arrow Ministries up in the big city of Stillwater, up there north of us. And uh, great people. I've known him since he was prepubescent almost. <laughs> and so uh, great, great guy. Joyce is a wonderful lady, and uh, you'll, you'll enjoy their ministry immensely, I know. And uh, I'll also share a little something with you. This will probably put a grin on your face, or some of you will go, oh, I can't believe he's that <clears throat> I'm done. But as I was uh, preparing my message yesterday, and last night I went back to kind of smooth over a few little things, add a couple, take out a little bit. And so um, I just thought, well, you know, I had had my dinner and everything. And I go in there and get a cup of coffee. I have one of those little Krug deals, you know, one cup. You have a choice of six, eight, or ten ounces, one little pod you put in there, and I used to use it all the time, that same machine I've had for I don't know how many years, and um, I did it, take the medium, which is eight ounces, and I'm sitting there, or standing there watching it go, and um, it gets eight ounces, and it's keeping on going, it's not blowing the air out to clean it out like it normally would, and my cup overfills, and it runs over to the spillover, and the spillover's running over to the counter, Ah, and it's never happened. I've had that machine for 10 years or so. It's, in fact, I think it's probably 14 years old. Never has that ever, ever happened to me. So I have, was fortunate to have a fresh roll of paper towels at my disposal. So we got it cleaned up, praise God. So I take my new cup of coffee in uh, to my desk, and I'm always very careful with my coffee around my desk and computer and papers and stuff, you know, 
And I sat my coffee down, and um, anyway, I'm getting some paper cleared up, and then this cup of coffee just fell, all by itself, fell over <laughs> right on top of my laptop. I had, seriously, one-eighth of an inch of coffee standing on my keyboard. And I go, <laughs> and so I thought, take paper towels, I run to the kitchen. Uh, it's a 37 or 38 step move. I took it into three steps and got the paper towels out and came to my, and I'm mopping up, sopping up. Ah, got to go back and get some more paper towels. And of course, I had turned it off as soon as I realized it up. I turned it off, started unplugging everything to it. I said, okay, Lord, I need a lot of mercy here. I know you've got a lot of grace. And uh, you know this computer is for the kingdom of God. <laughs> I really put the cell on the Lord, you know. But I conf confessed everything I could think of. Um, and I uh, had to finish it. I had, my, my notes were in there, and I hadn't printed off the notes yet. And uh, so I, I got a fan, and uh, I thought, I don't even think we even have a fan in the house. Oh, yeah, we have that one that goes... Upright, so I put it on there, and it's going. You know, the hair dryer. Yeah, okay, dum dum, come on, get in there, get the hair dryer, and I know the hair dryer is old. As you notice, I don't have to have a lot of hair drying going on in my house, but the hair. In fact, I'm not sure the last time I used it for that purpose. But and I know it's making a little strange noise, but that's okay. It's been working fine. So uh, I. Turn on the hairdryer, man. I'm hitting it on, the, hoping that, you know, the, any liquid in it would come to the surface, et cetera, et cetera. And it starts going, and it starts smoking, and I yank the cord, and it won't come out. I go in there and move it out. And I take it, and I, it stinks, of course, because it's got some burning in it. I throw it in my trash can, and I walk back away from it. Hold it. It's hot. I put it in a trash can with paper. So I go back there and pull it out of the trash can and sit it on my walk, uh, entryway in the house where it's tile. So, okay, go ahead and burn up. I don't care now, you know. <laughs> but anyway, it, it didn't. So, and I um, prayed again and thanked the Lord. And sure enough, my computer is fine. <laughs> that may not be major to you, but it would be major to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when you're inviting somebody to church, you don't have to tell them that story. It's okay. Uh, but uh, it, um, he made a way. When your, instead of it, when your back is on the wall, when your coffee's on your computer, <laughs> he made a way. But uh, really, I've heard so many horror stories about people spilling coffee on their computers, and I've always, I've got a little deal to set my coffee on over to the side, and sure enough, I put it down on my computer, on the, next to the little pad. Now, don't you be laughing at me too much. But if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? So my granddaddy taught me that one, so uh, I had lots to laugh about last night. It was a great day with the Lord, and I've got something here for you this morning. I believe it's fresh from the throne room, straight out of the Word of God. Uh, one of the, um, Kelly was reading something. It said the Word of God is immutable. Some of you may not know what that word means. It means non-changing. It does not change. It is what it is. It was, is, and always will be. So it's not only infallible, it's immutable. It is the divine word of God. And I'll mention that a little bit later in the message. But I so appreciate the fact of just rolling some of these things over and over that we can in our minds, encouraging each other. Um, yeah, I don't care if you've heard it a hundred times when it's fresh, it's good. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I know uh, for sure that some of you, if you had a, that a hundredth time to eat a steak, you wouldn't turn it down. Some of you guys went, yep. Some of you light skinny guys like Tim and Chris and Terry and 
Uh, I won't mention Sarge, but he's he's got a muscle beef, you know. <laughs> Him and Bernard, you know, they got Brad sitting back here, you know. <laughs> Security forces are all around us, hallelujah. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word, which is life-giving. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you breathe upon it to us, especially for what you want done in our lives today that would bring glory to you. And we give you the credit. We give you the honor in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Is healing for today part two? Numero dos. Is healing for today? Uh, we were just talking this morning, uh, Brad Kelly and I, for a few minutes, and that post of last week, last time we did Is Healing for Today, uh, has been one of the largest we've had in quite a while. So uh, a lot of attention, a lot of people have looked at it, and uh, that's nothing but great. Praise God, that's what it's all about. And as I mentioned, we'll be doing a series on Is Healing for Today, and we'll do one each month for a while. So I don't know how many we'll do. We'll do at least four or five or six or 20 or something. I don't know. But anyway, we're going to do one of those each month and stay on it one Sunday a month is healing for today. So this is the month of March, and so this is part two. Uh, February kicked it off, and next month we'll have part three. There you go, those of you that are high-skilled in mathematical equations. Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. Awake, awake, Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and the defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. Verse 3, for this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing and without money, you will be redeemed. That needs to be underlined, circled, highlighted, whatever. Without money, you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live lately. Assyria has oppressed them. And now, what do I have here, decrees the Lord, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. Isaiah 52 is a, an, a, an announcement of what's coming. I think that we need to take heed to where he said, all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Can you imagine the amount of times that God's name is blasphemed in our country every second? Even at 3 a.m. in the morning, it's going on somewhere in this country. Oh, well, that's just around the world. It's going on somewhere in this country. How many times have you heard somebody say, oh, my God. That is not using the Lord's name correctly. Now, you can say, oh my God, in a special way, but 90, I don't know, a bunch of it, most of it, I just hear people say it. I hear kids saying it, little children. I wonder where they got it. Mm-hmm. The Lord's name shall not be used in vain. In vain means without power, without working, without anything fruitful coming from it. Put your car in neutral, and how fast can it go? <laughs> All the way to zero instantly. <laughs> Verse 7. Here's the Lord. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it in their own eyes. 
Lots of things right here in these verses. He's talking about salvation for this part of the scrolls of Isaiah. Isaiah 52 is talking about salvation, introducing the things that are necessary for the salvation of the Lord to reach people who will be redeemed without money. There is so much enrolled in here that we need to open up our hearts and minds and let the word of God come off the pages into our understanding. I love it. I was just, I had somebody in my office week before last talk about the watchman in Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's interesting. I won't get into that, but it's interesting. God's doing something in Oklahoma City. Let's not be the ones that say, what happened? Because we can be there. Yeah. We need to be the ones that, let's go, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Verse 9. Burst. I want to go back in verse 8 again. Listen. Your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together. Burst into songs of joy together. Burst into songs of joy together. I got that joy, joy, joy. Where? Yeah. (laughs) Amen. Mama sang bass. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He's redeemed Jerusalem. Now, their redemption hadn't actually happened as far as they saw in their eyes, but God's already spoken it. Verse 10, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Jesus Christ. Oh, I love it. I love Jesus is a form of Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation. Jesus is the E, salvation. In my notes, I've got it capitalized all the way through. All the way through. Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. Verse 11, depart, depart, go out from here. Touch no unclean thing. Yeah, that's a pretty good thing. We can run through that verse pretty fast. Touch no unclean thing. Come out and be pure. You who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. The suffering and the glory of the servant. Jesus. Verse 13, it gets really, really good here. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, uh huh, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form so marred beyond human likeness. Jesus at the cross. Jesus after being scourged. Jesus, a human piece of raw meat. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. His servant, Jesus, God in the flesh. Oh my gosh, such a great salvation. We could stop right here and have had a meal for the day. It's all right there in Isaiah 52. When I read this scripture and I think about what Jesus did, 
for sinners like you and me, it catches my breath and takes it away for his greatness, his goodness. There was no pathway for salvation ever. No way to do it. Oh yeah, there is another way other than Jesus to get to heaven. All you have to do is be perfect. Try that for a half an hour. Yeah. He bore our punishment that we rightly deserve, and he took it graciously. Hebrews says he looked with joy, the joy set before him going to the cross. Oh my gosh. You don't even want to stub your toe. Stick your finger. I got a thorn. And he was beat mercilessly. Oh. Now, to the center of the gospel, pretty much at the center of the Bible, Isaiah 53. I heard a jerk on video the other day. Well-known Christian pastor and evangelist, debater, and a friend of his talking to a guy who's known to be a leader in the LGBT movement as a Christian, and he clarified it right up front, two things. Number one, I really, I'll speak about that, yeah, but I uh, really, I'm a progressive Christian, is what you would call me. And number two, he didn't believe the word. He believes that Jesus is the word, not scripture. He believes that falsely that we are having continual progressive revelation in the body of Christ and that we understand things that the people before us for the last 2,000 years and that the Israelites before it never understood when you read the scripture. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. He's 30 years old. He's got a high IQ, I'm sure. Every one of his answers is just something stupid. Just stupid, ignorant. He's deceived. Pray that God would show him repentance into life. He's a committed progressive Christian. He's a committed homosexual. He's got so much talent and gift from God. And he says, Isaiah 53 is not even talking about Jesus. It's a good thing I wasn't debating him. I'd forget the words and start using my fist. Yeah. That is blasphemy. Blasphemy. He's got a master's in theology and he's working on his doctorate. Dr. Poop. Jesus died for him. Went to the cross for him. Had his back scourged for him. He wants to say this isn't talking about Jesus. I wasn't going to say this until later. I can't help that. Who will stand for the righteous? Who will stand in adversity? Who will stand and speak out for the Lord of lords, for the King of glory? who will stand for the Savior of the world, past, present, and future. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and his blood atonement and confessing him and making him the boss, the Savior of your life and trusting in him wholly. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus plus anything is nothing.
Isaiah 53. Who has believed the message? I would say three things to that. Number one, what's been said? How can you believe in something that you haven't heard, but when you've heard it, can you believe in it? Not necessarily. You've heard it, but do you believe in it? Do you believe that God is God? Do you believe that God is good? <laughs> what an interesting day I had yesterday. The JWs hit my house. Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> I... I, I uh, when I spilled my coffee on the computer, I said, I just started laughing. I said, this is the devil overplaying his hand. And I don't normally say stuff like everything's spiritual. I'm not one of those kind of people because I do believe things happen that God doesn't ordain or her cause. But it's like the hand's being played. And they passed me a little deal out. says, you know, come to our community meeting or whatever they're going to have. And I looked at it, and I saw, I looked at it real quick, watchtower on the back of it, and I started preaching to him just so fast. <laughs> and saying, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. Jesus is God, hallelujah. And I thank you for what he's done in my life. And uh, I went on a little tyrant spin there, well, probably a little too much too fast. But anyway, I was preaching right there at my front door. And this older, there's an older lady, younger lady, that's the way they do it a lot of times. And the older lady said, uh, I, I bet you preach at your church sometimes. And I said, I've been known to do that before. <laughs> but then I started talking to him. And I wanted to get to the point. And I told him point blankly, your gospel is a false gospel. It's not the one that Jesus Christ came to share with us. And the young one was kind of quiet. And... uh I said, do you believe that Jesus is God? I'm going to get right to it. I've been there studying, and I'm with Jesus, and I just, you know, I'd rather be back with him than I'm with him, but I know that their souls count. Do you believe that Jesus is God? She says, Jesus is not God. I said, well, you can believe what you want to believe, but the Bible says very emphatically that it is. She says, where does it say it? And so I started giving her a little bit on that. And, and the older lady, they always switch you like that, you know. She says, uh, well, we can talk about that later. We can come back and talk about it later. And I says, I, I really got a lot of things going on right now, but I sit here and talk to you, you know, because I want to tell you the truth. And she goes, look, it was 11.35. She says, we'll be back next week at 11.35. I said, okay, if you want to, that's fine with me. I'll be here. And I've got probably 20, 25 verses in the Bible that show that Jesus is God, their Bible, the New World Translation, which is doesn't have a single Greek or Hebrew scholar on the whole translation, so you can't call it a translation. They just took the King James and tried to skip a few things, and they missed a lot. God's smarter. Yep. Hallelujah. God's smarter. And I... I told him, I says, I know that you're, you're good intentions. I understand that. And I commend you for your intentions. I want to make sure I put some love in there. And I wasn't mad. I wasn't mean. I just couldn't help it because Jesus is so good. And they sit there and say that he's not God. They, you know, of course, I always save the one for the last, you know, how did Michael the archangel become Jesus? Because that's what they believe. I have still looking for one to answer that question. Okay, moving right along. Who has believed the message? I said there are three things. First of all, what has been said? And do we believe it? Number two, and we're going to move over. Keep your finger there if you're in, in your Bible or wherever you are. But just go over to John 12 for a minute. And by the way, the progressive Christian said that uh, the only real gospel book is Mark. Of course, he picked the one with the less detail in it, and John really didn't really count. You know why? I think it's because that John had noted mentees or protégés that he had personal contact with and raised up to be ministers. Um, a couple of them, there's three great apostolic fathers, they call them, that are not the original apostles, but the next line, and... Um, Polycarp and Ignatius are two of them, and both of them were protégés or mentees of 
John the Apostle. And so you have John, and then you have um, Polycarp, and then Irenaeus was one of his uh, protégés. So you've got three, three lines of people, and guess what? They all agreed on the same written word that we've got today. And so that kind of gets a little bit more difficult when you say, well, they didn't really know because what they maintained was a line of consistency or immutability. Okay? So you have three generations of no men and women for that. Um, and then the third one, by the way, was Clement, which was a, a protege of Peter. So, you know, you're supposed to study these things in theology, theological school. But some people don't find that out. They want to find out what they know. Um, John twelve thirty seven. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord be revealed? Remember that. Verse 39, for this reason they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. That's what this young man I was talking about a while ago, his faces. He's blinded by the enemy. He can't see, he can't hear, he can't understand what the word of the Lord is. Verse 41, Isaiah said this, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Oh, I don't like John. <laughs> he, he talked too much about Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, of course, Romans 10 is the third thing, um, which is salvation, pretty strong, in quite a few different verses in there, different aspects. Uh, praise God. You cannot destroy the Word of God. It's true in all that it affirms. And if you read the Word of God, it will prove itself. You don't have to have a preacher. You don't have to have a teacher. You don't have to have a lot of theological help. Just read it. Praise God. Read it. Glory. It's life unto your bones. Praise God. <laughs> okay, back to Isaiah 53. We read the first little bit, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord be revealed? In other words, the power ministry of God, Yahweh. He grew up before him. Now we're talking about Jesus, like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It's switching over all the way through his life. It's fast forwarding now. He was despised and rejected by others a man of suffering. Now I'm going to give you some hints to the Hebrew today. And that word suffering is translated, and by the way, the TNIV is much better than NIV is here in this chapter. They've uh, changed a few word translations to make it even more accurately. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering. That word in the Hebrew can mean grief, pain, or sorrow. Grief, pain, or sorrow and familiar with pain. And that word uh, is malady or anxiety, calamity, and it's translated elsewhere as disease, grief, and sickness. So he's, he's a man of pain or sorrows. The song that we sing has the word uh, man, of so uh, man of sorrows. We've seen that song before. Um, and familiar with Anxiety, calamity, disease, grief. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. They looked down upon him so much that he was contemptible. And we held him in low esteem. They looked down upon him further than you can look down on a human being. The Lord of glory. Verse 4. Surely he took up our pain. That's the same word again that means malady or anxiety, calamity. It's translated disease, grief, and sicknesses. And bore our suffering, grief, pain, sorrows. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. 
there's three kinds of sins, basically, loosely. The main category, one of them is just plain old sin. Miss the mark, do stupid stuff. Transgressions is a rebellious type sin. I don't care what the Word of God says. I'm going to do it. It's rebellious. It says here real plainly, he was pierced. Remember the soldier ran a spear through his side on the cross? He was pierced for our transgressions or our rebellious sins. He was crushed. And this is one word I don't think the NIV used before. I may be wrong with that, but I know there's several of them. Crushed is a great translation of that word. Most other translations don't use that. It's, that's the way the Jewish Bible is translated. That's the way the apologetic student Bible is also translated. Crushed. That word, according to Strong's, means crumbled. Crumbled. Take a cracker. Crush it in your hands. He was crumbled. For our iniquities... Iniquities are basically sins that are passed down from previous generations, generational curses or whatever you want to call them. Things that you have, you grow up thinking you're okay or thinking that they're not bad. <laughs> Watch that one. Oh, it's not bad. <laughs> if it's not good, it's not good. It ain't God either. Iniquities. There's so much covered in these few verses about cleansing you from the past, bringing healing physically, bringing healing emotionally, bringing healing psychologically, bringing healing from past generations and things that your parents taught you that weren't right or your whatever that you picked up along the way your environment teaches iniquities that are ingrained in you. Now, a lot of people teach that physical healing isn't here. They're ignorant. He was crushed for our iniquities. The, past, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. Every aspect of his scourging and of his crucifixion had a different aspect to it. Strong's defines healed in this particular usage as to mend as by stitching. Well, I don't know about you. I don't want my emotions or my mental stitched. I want my body by a surgeon stitching it up because either cut it open, pull something out, or because I did something wrong and it needed to be put back together. That's physical, physical, physical healing. Verse 6, we are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity. That's also translated as moral perversity or evil. And if you look at Psalms 106.6, it talks about the person and his father, how that goes together. Of us all. I don't know about you. This either ought to make you sad or grateful. Ought to bring joy to you. Not a laughing joy, but a deep, thrilling joy that releases the significance of your strength, the joy of the Lord. If He did that for sinners, Oh, my goodness, how much more does God love you? How much more does God care about what you eat for breakfast? Yeah. 
How much more does God love you in your pains, your griefs, your sorrows, your iniquities, your transgressions, your other sins? The broken arms, broken legs, broken hearts. It covers it all. He's paid for it all. Don't sit there and remiss. Reach out and grab his grace. His healing grace is sufficient in every aspect of his life. Don't feel like you're nobody. Don't feel like you're nothing. Don't feel like God missed out on you because you don't have the highest IQ or you don't have the best look or you don't have this or you don't have that. Look at Jesus and say, thank you that you made me just like I am and I, what I will be, what I will be, what I will be. He's still working on me. Ah, praise God for it. Praise God for it. You know, some of the sanctified people have lost their sanctification in this world today. And we've got to grab that back for them, help them, help each other. You know, when it comes to the blood of Jesus, a little dab will do you. That's my Jesus you're talking about, dude. Tell me that ain't him. Sealing for today? Look what he did. He stepped out of heaven to this place. Like Keith Green said, if he has been working on heaven for 2,000 years, like the word says, and if this world was put together in seven days, like a lot of people say, and the, the Bible tends to say, I must be living in a garbage dump compared to what it's going to be like in eternity. Come on, Jesus. See, I don't live in this world. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. This world is dirty, stinky, cruddy, crusty. It's a training ground. It's a decision-making place. It's where we line up and we check in. I want to check in for heaven. I want to get my ticket today. I want my ticket to heaven today in my hand knowing that the word of God is going to bring me through each and every situation that Holy Spirit's got me by the hand taking me where I need to go and keeping me from where I don't need to be. That's what I'm talking about, my Jesus. That's what I'm talking about, my Lord. That's my God, my Savior, my Redeemer. He lives forever. Praise God. The church has got the most grateful news to be a hold of. And it just, oh yeah, thank you. Oh yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh my gosh. Folks, we need to rise up off of our buffs or duffs or whatever you call your butt and start praising God and worshiping God for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's doing, for where he's taken us throughout eternity. And we don't need to hold back on anything. The more we trust him, the more you'll see him. Did you get that one? The more you trust him, the more you'll see him. I heard a preacher say one time that people who cry got sin in their life. Well, I tell you what. I'm going to cry, I don't care what. Because it blesses my heart so much to know exactly what Jesus did. To know that he placed every one of us in the grave and pulled us right back out of it. To live unto him. And that's the greatest life there is, is to live like a Christian. It's a choice. It takes, well, I can't use that word in church, can I? But anyway, women have strength too. <laughs> the arm of the Lord is the power of God to change what you was into what you can be with him. He gets the glory. We get the opportunity. We get the benefit. We get the blessing. And it's beyond what you can think or ask according to the power that works in you. Folks, how many people out there in the streets need to hear this? 
How many people in the streets have you talked to this week and said, hey, I got some good news for you. Got you a place that'll get you healed today. Not putting anybody down. I'm just telling you, get busy, dudes and dudettes. Get busy. Bring them in, all you people. Hallelujah. Verse 7, let's start there again. He was oppressed and afflicted, looked down upon, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Sheep are dumb. It's okay. I've known some people with low IQs a lot smarter than a lot of people that supposedly had a high IQ. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. If Jesus would have said anything at all to those people, they'd gone right to hell. Aren't you glad you aren't Jesus? How many people would you have sent there already? Yet who of his generation protested? Who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, the Lamb of God. He will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. My question to you today, you on YouTube, you watching this video, everybody in this building, are you his offspring? Are you his offspring? Are you in? Verse 11, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Freedom! Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life into death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Do you see why the devil would like to interrupt this message? It's nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with Jesus. And the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the reason that people sometimes are blinded because they choose to be blinded. They don't want to see the truth. They don't want to admit that there is such a thing as objective, immutable truth. They don't want to see that Jesus Christ, if they call him the word and he calls himself the truth, then you're stuck with that, baby. And it's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because when you're counting on yourself, you, you're not counting on much. <laughs> Compared to God? Mm -hmm. In closing, everything we do, whether it is the way we vote, the way we talk, the way we treat others, the habits we have, TV shows we watch, music we listen to, the request we make to the Lord, the way we treat sexuality may simply be judged by asking this, does this bring glory to God? He alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves our praise, our attention, our honor. And when you blow it, you run to him and you tell him you've blown it and you mean it. 
and he'll cleanse you and set you up straight. And that relationship with him will be strong and powerful because he's already taken care of it in the judgment seat of Christ. You'll not have to go to it. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. And you can do that at one or two places at the end of this life. The judgment seat of Christ for those who need to be judged and have a one-way ticket to the pit are those who get to go to the judgment seat of Christ. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I've got it wrong. The great white throne of judgment is that one. That's the one that takes you to the pit. The judgment seat of Christ gives you rewards. If you've done one or two in your lifetime, whatever you've done that God said to do and you did it, you'll get a reward for that. So please, let me get that straight again. The judgment seat of Christ gives rewards. It's for people who are born again in this life and know him and trust him. And the great white throne of judgment is the ones that send you to the pit. Don't write me a letter. I just corrected it, okay? Oh, praise God. And I pray for that young guy that's preaching that stuff and all the others like him. That the eyes of his understanding would be opened, that labors of the harvest field would be sent to him to preach the good news, to love him into the kingdom of God, that he may realize that Jesus Christ has borne his pains, his griefs, his sorrows, his sins, and is there for him to welcome him into heaven and the, the Lamb's feast that we'll be going to someday. That table will be eons of feet long. Maybe 110 stories. I don't know how he's going to work that out. I don't worry about it. I was going to be there. I'm going to be a guest. I've already got my ticket. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. By the way, we're going to show you how to get a ticket here in just a minute. Does it bring glory to God? Come on up, Kelly, if you would. Does it bring glory to God? You know, just asking that alone, does this that I do, this that I spend money on, this that I say out of my mouth, this that I am close to other people and love them, but I'm concerned that if I tell them the truth and it'll make them mad. Folks, you can't mess up people that are on their way to hell. Okay? With the truth and love. We love people. Jesus bled and died for them. He was crumbled for them. Is healing for today? Yes. More than you'll understand. More than you can think or ask. More than you'll ever need. And when you get healed, it doesn't make heaven any smaller. It doesn't take the blood of Jesus any less. It doesn't take anything away from him at all. In fact, it adds glory and honor and praise to him. And when you honor him, you're honoring what he's done for you in your life, in your family, and the loved ones around you. Hang on. Don't let go. And his grace will carry you along the way. Does it bring glory to God? We're going to receive communion here in a few minutes. Pastor Kelly, if you would go ahead and read scripture there and share anything you want to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 31. Father, may we hear your word and may your word speak to our hearts. May it bring forth its accomplished result yes. in each one of us. Yes. In Jesus' name. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. There had been some issues regarding how the uh, communion was uh, released in that community. And some were doing it the right way and some were not doing it the right way. And so there was division going on. And he was bringing correction to it. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, starting in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves, therefore, before they eat of the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. And so, Father, I thank you that you give us the ability to discern the body. Help us to see and to hear, and to walk in that place that as we partake of your communion today, that we partake it with the right heart, with the right mindset. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you. For those of you who have never made Jesus the Lord boss of your life, this is your opportunity to get your ticket to heaven. I use that just as he spoke about the, the bread and the, the juice, that's figuratively, of course. We believe that it's symbolic of what Jesus did, and we celebrate communion as dying to him and living to ourselves and what he's done in our lives. Honoring him and honoring each other in the body of Christ, we should discern the body. And the body is him on the cross, him being scourged. It's also him living in the believer today. Good morning, everybody. Just because we lost an hour last night doesn't mean it's not good. (laughs) I actually went to bed at an earlier time so I wouldn't have the issue. Now, it still may hit me one of these days coming up, but (laughs) amen. Hallelujah. I want us to uh, remember that this Wednesday, we're continuing our series on the covenant by James Garlow. Uh, Yours truly is going to be uh, speaking a second week in a row. I encourage everyone to come out, be a part of it. I'm going to be talking about the authority that is ours because of the covenant that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Most of the body of Christ does not walk in the authority of Christ. Okay, and, and it's been my heart for a while that, that we walk in the authority that God has given us. And we not just be hamsy, pamsy, and flimsy. Oh, well, whatever will be, will be. Okay, that's not, the, that's not God. Hallelujah. So, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a life better than that. It's found in Christ Jesus, you know, and there's an authority in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And so we know that at 645 is our fellowship and snacks, and then at 7 we have the teaching, so we encourage you to come. Hallelujah. Uh, I wanted us to um, remember uh, in our giving and in our offerings and, and our tithes and so forth, there was a scripture that was just brought to my attention, and it really spoke to my heart. I hope it speaks to yours. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, And it says, if we have sown some spiritual seed among you, we're talking about the pastors, the leaders. Look at your neighbor and say, okay. Okay. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, have we sown some spiritual seed among you? Oh, no. Uh, Have we sown spiritual seed among you? Okay, amen. Is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay? And just remember that it is important that we give. God always blesses the giver, doesn't he? Hallelujah. If you give a little, you get a little. Okay? If you give a lot, you get a lot. Hallelujah. In Proverbs, it talks about, you know, giving sparingly. Then a sparing harvest comes your way. 
Those who are great givers, they get great blessings. And those who are stingy, they get a stingy reward. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and go, wow, he's being mm. <laughs> I want to bring attention, of course, to uh, we have the uh, envelopes there in the back. Okay, if you want to give that way, or you want to give by text, or if you want to give online. We have ways to do that in each way. Hallelujah. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to present one of the greatest men uh, in the universe. Okay, I, I've known him for quite a few years. I won't say exactly when, but I do know that the, the, the anointing of God is upon his life. He's a great teacher. He's a great evangelist. And so I just wanted to say, hello, Pastor Dan. Let's give him a warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think revival may have jumped off on some of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, I thought I'd better jump on up here before they got too carried away there. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, me. 